This is Middle Tennessee Electric's Plugged In Podcast. This podcast focuses on the world of electric vehicles. It is for all EV enthusiasts, whether you are an early adopter and have been driving an EV for years, or you're just starting your research, this podcast is for you. Hello, I'm Brandon Wagner. And I'm Amy Byers, and welcome to Middle Tennessee Electric's Plugged In Podcast. To start off season two, we wanted to take a look back at all the episodes from season one and highlight some of the topics that we thought were really important. So Brandon, we had 19 episodes in season one. Can you believe that? Crazy. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that we've been doing this for a year. It's been a fast, a fast year. So we've got a lot of interesting topics. I think we've been talking about them, things we want to kind of look back on. Um, I think there's going to be too many for one episode. So we're going to break this into two parts. So today we're just going to start and see how far we get, and then our next episode we'll we'll finish it out. So I'm kind of going to toss it over to you and let you introduce the first clip. Sure. Well, the first clip was when we had Drew Fry from TVA in, and and you know we get the, the question all the time: Can the electric system handle adoption of EVs? And it's a complicated question. And Drew is an expert on that, so we brought him in to talk from the TVA side a little bit. Of, about that, and then I talked a little bit about what MTE's been doing in the past to prepare for the grid uh, locally. So I, I think it'd be good to review that clip again. So here is Drew's response. Uh, this is from episode one, where we talked. The topic was, can MTE TVA handle increased demand by electric vehicles? Here's Drew Fry. Let's think about power plants and the transmission system. So TVA makes the electricity at the power plants. We use big wires and transformers to push it to a Middle Tennessee Electric and y'all pick it up from there and get it to its ultimate destination. So how we plan for power generation and transmission is really kind of building to those peaks like you were talking about, having that capacity there uh, to supply the needs of everyone. Um, And when we talk about um, these peak hours and being able to shift energy consumption to different hours, Um, That's really just cost savings. It's not that the system isn't there to provide the power, but if we can, you know, provide electricity or if we can provide the peaks that are this, but the system is built for this, we save. We save on fuel, we save on wear and tear on the plants and the transmission system, all those kinds of things. So it's really a cost saving measure rather than uh, an emergency measure. And so, you know, we, we pick it up from there and push it down to Middle Tennessee Electric. Uh, and y'all kind of take it the rest of the way. Yeah, and so Middle Tennessee Electric is kind of in a unique situation. I'd say most of the TVA LPCs are in a similar situation, but I think MTE's done it a little bit above average on on the way that we built our system. And and I really credit our engineering team for 20 years. Anytime there was a road move and we needed reconductor a line, they'd put up the biggest conductor possible because the cost differential wasn't that significant. It, was, it wasn't negligible, you know, there was some difference. But um, the thought was, let's, let's go ahead and put up and design for tomorrow's load, not just today's. So that, that was great. The other thing that we've done in the same, in the same thought is um, every time we built a substation, uh, even though it would be a one power transformer substation, we'd go ahead and build it for two. But it's been great because 
there's there's load that shows up that we weren't expecting and guess what we're ready to serve it with yeah i was gonna say you know, things things will always change yeah that's the truly interesting thing we think you know how we use electricity hasn't changed but through the years it really has and we see a lot of parallels between the adoption of electric vehicles kind of system growth up to the adoption of air conditioning mm -hmm. and so you know air conditioning really came about in the late 50s and into the 60s and 70s and you think about older homes they weren't built with air conditioning in mind right. so electric service and, and those things they weren't built with air conditioning in mind but they've been adapted through the years mm -hmm. you know and now it's standard for every home to have an air conditioner goodness I wouldn't want to live in a house without an air conditioner right now um, but we see EVs kind of as the same same kind of thing an adoption over the years uh, and just a change in how we use energy. So the next one we want to look at is from episode two. We're still talking with Drew Farah. He had a lot of good information, so we didn't want to let him go. We kept him around for another episode. Um, this, epi this episode is titled, What Should I Consider When Purchasing an EV Charger for My Home? Uh, do you want to tell us what the what he's going to be talking about? Yeah, I, I was just curious to ask him, you know, what should you consider when you are installing a level two charger what what size and and you know, he's been an ev driver for a long time so i was curious to hear his thoughts on um, how should you size your your ev charger for your home when you're looking at putting in a level two charger so you know you you want to be able to recharge your vehicle faster and maybe you maybe you drive a lot uh, these level two chargers even at 40 amps can provide almost 200 miles back overnight um, to your car. Um, so a lot of the new cars being sold now, so think about like the Ford F-150 um, and some of the other higher end, you know, especially when we get into the world of trucks and SUVs, these bigger electric vehicles that are gonna have larger batteries and frankly are just gonna be less efficient at driving you down the road, you're gonna need to put more energy back into them. You know, they're, they're coming with the, the options to have 80 amp charging stations. And so when electricians go into the home and think about oh, adding an extra 80 amps to, uh, maybe a home only has a 100 amp service. You know, 200 amps is kind of normal for new construction now. And even some of your larger homes will have 400 amps. So it really depends on the electric service that you have. Um, they might start talking about upgrading your panels, upgrading your service to your house. And that can come with costs, you know, several thousand dollars to do something like that. So what I like to always tell people is, you know, just because your car can, does it really need to? So I think about it like um, my car, you know, well, my car can go 150 miles per hour. Does it need to go 150 miles per hour? How often do I go 150 miles per hour? I kind of think of the same thing in charging. You know, as I said, a 40 amp charger, which is very similar to your dryer, your clothes dryer, that can put a couple hundred miles back into your car overnight. Um, so to think about what you truly need as far as charging goes. And as you said, some of these are coming in either configurable inside the charger or basically through software where, you know, maybe it's an 80 amp charger, but I can install it at 40 amps or 60 amps okay. or 50 amps, somewhere in between. Um, and so that becomes a discussion with the electrician. So a lot of the um, older codes, electrical codes, uh, that you must have a dedicated electric circuit for the charging station. Mm -hmm. um, the, the newer electric codes, kind of I think 2017 or newer, they allow for uh, energy management. 
And so these charging stations are coming in as energy management devices. And so, you know, whether it's a, it could be an 80 amp charger, but it's electrically set at 40 amps. Okay. And being allow, allowing to, to share circuits even in the home. So there are some devices that allow you to share a circuit with your dryer. So when your clothes are drying, your car's not charging. When your clothes stop, your car's charging. So sharing one circuit and being able to do that with the energy management systems um, are what the, the newer electric codes and the newer technologies provide. Amy, the next clip we picked out was from episode three, what is the cost of owning an electric vehicle? take a quick break from the podcast so I can let you know about Middle Tennessee Electric's EV Ready program. This program gives a $50 credit to Middle Tennessee Electric members who have installed or are in the process of installing a level 2 charger in their home. For more information on this program, go to mte.com forward slash drive EV. Now back to the podcast. In this episode, I was actually interviewing you and I asked you about what is the actual cost uh, maintenance-wise between an ICE vehicle and an electric vehicle? Yeah, it, it's really hard to forecast because you never know wh what's going to go wrong. I know that um, I, I, I never am ready when something goes wrong in my car to go pay for it. But the, the, the simple thing is that there's much less parts in an EV than there are in a ICE vehicle. Um, the stat I like to tell people, uh, there are 2,000 moving parts on an ICE vehicle drivetrain. There's 20 on an EV drivetrain. So th then you think about there's no fluids, there's no oil changes. I mean, oil change is probably the most obvious preventive maintenance. Um, you do that probably four times a year. You don't have to do that with an EV. So we'll, we'll talk more about what all the, there is to do in maintenance batteries and, and, and tires and that sort of thing we'll, we'll talk about. But overall, think about the things that you normally go wrong on your vehicle that you have to get replaced. And then, and then ask yourself, if this was an EV, would I have had to do that? Amy, episode four uh, was our continued conversation about maintenance, and we pulled our next clip from that episode. We did, and in this one, it was actually an opportunity for me to learn something. We were talking about the maintenance of the tires and the brakes, and I kind of learned that Tires wear out quicker for a EV, but then brakes will last longer. So here's that conversation. It's actually a little bit more on the tires. So tires will wear out probably a little bit faster on, on the, the EV. EV? Mm -hmm. And there's two reasons that, that people think that that's the, the case. One is that EVs are typically a little heavier. And so it just wears out the tires a little bit more. To, so is that to, the weight of the batteries? The, it is. The weight of the batteries wears, wears the tires out faster. And then also you've, you've got the instantaneous torque. So starting, stopping, you know, just a little bit more wear on the versus the gradual roll. Mm. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, I would not have thought about that. So what about, what about the brakes? You know, brakes to me is on both cars. It would be about the same. So is it, is it still a, a different situation, EV versus ice on the brakes? Well, brakes should actually last longer on an EV. And, and, and it really depends on how you prefer to drive your EV. I, personally, I don't like the regenerative braking. I, I like to coast to a stop. But if so, you, so explain what, what, what did you call that? Regenerative yeah. braking? Explain what that is. Well, it's, For it's, those of us like me, <laughs> novices that, that don't know. Yeah. So some people call it one-pedal driving. And what it, what it does is when you let off the gas, it, it regens the energy so the the motor will 
take and slow itself down and pump the energy back to your battery with hopes of adding more range. So I know people that will get to the top of Mont Eagle and turn on regenerative braking and ride down it, and they'll get down to the bottom of the of the mountain and have more uh, range than they did at the top. So that, it, that and what it basically does, it puts force on your vehicle to slow down anyway, and so, so your your brakes don't actually have to slow down in those situations. So now we're up to episode six, um, how to drive and charge your EV on a 3,800 mile road trip. So this is the first time we interviewed one of our EV Car Club members, uh, Josh Witt, and he shared with us a pretty neat experience he had right after he got his EV, uh, and I, th I think it's worth listening to again. You know, the greatest thing about uh, my EV was the timing, uh, because it came in two months early, and in June, when I picked it up, I had a planned trip to Tucson in July. And so I had my car for just about a week and a half before I took off on what would be a 3,800-mile round trip to Tucson. And I didn't spend hours and hours planning and contemplating. I knew that there were Electrify America sites along the interstate everywhere I needed to go. Okay. And uh, by nature of how the car works, uh, I could have confidence that it's going to tell me when I'm getting in range and need to stop. What I've also found, as every other EV owner knows, is that uh, you can increase your miles per kilowatt hour by how you drive. And okay. so uh, in the midst of a time where gas was at 515 a gallon, here I am, new EV owner, uh, who's learning everything on the fly, but learning quickly. And I make this 3,800 mile trip for $0 out of pocket. Wow. And uh, it was so much fun uh, to see uh, people lined up at gas stations, you know, and, and I'm, a, I'm a gas guzzler owner too, so I, I'm in that boat. Sure. Uh, but I, I was in that time and place where I was able to make that trip, uh, what would have been hundreds of dollars in expense, uh, yeah for zero dollars. And again, that's only by fact of the Hyundai uh, partnership with Electrify America for the first two years, and the fact that the placement of those stations is so convenient that I was able to actually uh, do everything I needed to do on that trip and not experience any hiccups. So in episode nine, Don't Be Afraid of Buying a Used EV, we interviewed Christy Mooring, who's an MTE employee and actually one of the first employees to own an electric vehicle. And she talks to us about her purchase of a used 2018 Tesla Model 3. They have your traditional warranty just like any other car brand, so it's mm -hmm. to me it's not any different, especially one that's only a year old. You know, I don't think there's been much time for people to abuse the batteries or, you know. So did you just um, like find it online? Or I mean, this wasn't a dealership, this was an individual. So how did you yeah. even... Well, at the time, there were not a whole lot. I wanted something specific. I, I was looking for either silver or red, um, and I wanted long range. And I, truly, I wanted performance, but I didn't find that in, in my price point. Um, and there was a, a certain price point I was trying to stay within. So with those things in mind, I went searching, and car dealerships didn't have them. Mm -hmm. um, and the colors I wanted were all West Coast colors. Like they, those colors hadn't made it here yet. They were, you could get black or you could get white, but that was about it. Uh, so I ended up going to um, Little Rock, Arkansas. I found it on Facebook Marketplace and of course ran Carfax and all that sort of mm -hmm. thing and met the guy at a bank and bought it, flew in, <laughs> bought it, drove it home. Maybe the next clip we pulled from was from episode 10, Are You Taking Advantage of EV Tax Incentives, where we interviewed CoBank's Terry Vishwanath. Yeah, she was fascinating. So I really encourage anyone that has bought a vehicle this year, you really need to go back and listen to this whole episode because she talks about, I mean, she really breaks down all the 
tax breaks and incentives th that are out there. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I had asked her specifically for anyone buying a vehicle this year, you know, they might want to start that, what, what did I call it, a tax folder or whatever, mm -hmm. to keep all the stuff in there so that when it's time to file our taxes, you know, you have all the stuff available so that you can make sure that you get this, um, get the tax incentives. So mm -hmm. she kind of discussed what are the things that needs to go in that folder. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think making sure the income qualification. So that's an important first gating point. If it's important to you, make sure that you qualify first as a consumer that's eligible for that tax credit. And then the easy one is just the MSRP. Does your MSRP, is it a passenger vehicle lower than 55000 If it's an SUV truck or van, you've got that higher level of 80000 so that qualification. Uh, size of the battery, says the car, um, the battery components, uh, and the critical minerals. We'll get later clarification on, on this. But once again, as I mentioned, it's really going to be down. And, and this is helpful because the bottom line is it's really, you know, the, the manufacturer is going to be on the hook to certify that vehicle. So, um, so it makes it a little easier. But I, I do think, you know, for consumers, this is an important um, upfront cash incentive, and, and the cash incentive actually only gets better in 2024 because we will have the ability to do point of sale reduction. So I, I think that's, you know, we, we have some, some opportunities there. So Brandon, that's it for um, part one of the season one recap, and, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was fun to go back and remember all those interviews we did and all the topics we covered, and we really didn't even scratch the surface. That's right. We have a lot more coming up in uh, part two, so make sure to tune in uh, next time where we will have the part two of our season one recap. Um, also, as always, if you have any questions or if you have any topics you would like for us to cover, we would love to hear from you. So please email us at evcarclub at mte.com. For more information on MTE's Drive EV programs or the EV Car Club, go to driveev.com or email us at evcarclub at mte.com. Until next time, plug in, power up, and drive safe. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review. Also, we would love to hear from you. If you have any ideas of topics you would like for us to discuss, please email us at driveev at mte.com. Thanks for listening.